0: guys we're we're in lesson 24 today we're going to talk about the gospel coming to Antioch so uh, hopefully you got your coffee hopefully you got your study sheet so let's look together we're gonna look at verses 19 through 30 so first thing I want to do is we're going to talk about the gospel spreading so look at chapter 11 in the book of Acts and look with me at verses 19 through 21 Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, now, here's what I want you to see. First of all, because of Stephen's martyrdom, believers fled Jerusalem and scattered abroad. So, okay, remember we, we what he's talking to about here is what happened in Acts chapter 8. Remember Acts chapter 8? It's after Stephen is martyred. And you see Paul and he is wrecking havoc on the church. He's referring all the way back to that point. He's referring that now we're, we're kind of take a trip back to the point of, uh, of, of the church being spread apart because of Stephen's martyrdom. Those that scattered traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. So if, if, so if you look in the back, Everybody, if you've got, you got your Bible, turn in the back. We'll use the Bible maps. You know, you never, you always wonder, how am I going to use these Bible maps? Turn all the way to the back, and you'll see Paul's missionary journey. Okay? Now, Phoenicia is just a little bit north of Israel, but you'll see that they went to Antioch. That's about where, you know, where you got Turkey right here, and, you've, and it's right in the corner. Okay? It's in the corner and then Cyprus, which is the island. So it's saying it spread that far, all right? So it spread that far. Now, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to Jews only. So at this point, this is before Peter's meeting with Cornelius, okay? I want to get you on the timeline of where they're at. They preached the gospel to Jews only. Why? Why do you think they did? Think about it for a moment. Why do you think they only preached to Jews only? This is before chapter 10, meeting with Cornelius. Yeah, the rest were unclean. They're not the ones we're trying to reach out to. We want Jews to understand who Jesus are because they were Jews, okay? So they preached the gospel to Jesus Christ, to Jews only. Now, Certain believers from Cyprus and Cyrene shared the gospel with the Greeks. Hellenists are Greeks here. So certain disciples shared the gospel with the Greeks. Okay? Now, let's stop for a moment. Isn't that interesting? Why is that interesting? This is before we know anything about This is historically taking place on a timeline somewhere just before chapter 10. Why is that interesting? Well, the Greeks and the Jewish Christians are sharing with the Greeks and historically this is occurring before chapter 10. What's interesting? Don't you find that interesting? Let me find that interesting. Okay, Mike, Mike's with me, okay? All right? Mike's with me. He may not understand why he's with me, but he's with me. Okay, all right. But for some reason they did. Okay, all right. So let me. So what we're going to see is, and I'll make a point here in a moment. Okay. The Lord blessed their ministry, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, so stop for a moment. What's being said here in the text is, is that they're sharing with these Greeks and some of the greeks turned to the lord stop could it be possible that they turned to the lord before cornelius did think about it for a moment i want you to kind of work with me on this Do you, is it possible that they could have there could have been some other gentiles coming to the lord before cornelius did Yeah, okay, so why the big deal about Cornelius? Why the big deal? Why is Acts, the writer of Acts, Luke, making a big deal about Cornelius coming to the Lord and the Holy Spirit coming down, baptizing them? Why the big deal of chapter 10 then? Because obviously... There's this other thing going on and Greeks are coming to the Lord. Why the big deal? Why do you think that is? I want you to think for a moment. Uh, it's not just because he's a Roman soldier. That's good though. You're thinking, Danny. Why what, 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 what do you think? Do you want me to help you? That's it. First of all, whose approval do you need for to understand that Gentiles can come to the church. Well, not just God's, because God's the ones doing it, but whose approval? Who's got to be on board with this? Where's the most prominent church? in it ain't Rome. Jerusalem. And it's made up of what? Jews. And some of them are Pharisees. And we've already talked about them being Judaizers. So the event in Acts chapter 10 is not just for the Greeks coming to the Lord. Stop for a moment. It's for the it's for the Jews, it's for the Jews grasping that God's saving the Gentiles. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's for the Jews grasping that God's saving the Gentiles. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? It, it's that important. That's why I think the significance of the speaking in tongues because that's the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And that was an evidence to those Jews there. Hey, the same thing that happened to us in Pentecost is happening with these folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not normative. What's going on in 10, Acts chapter 10, is for the Jews to grasp that God wants to save who? Gentiles, right? Okay. This is why, that's why when you study it, you gotta think this through because God doesn't need their approval to go ahead and save people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Has he ever checked with you if it's okay to save the guy that you don't like? Like during your prayer time? Oh, by the way, I'm going to save the guy that you don't like. Does he ask for your approval? No. Do you know what I'm saying? No. But for some, but for a purpose, and we're going to see the purposes later because the Gentiles coming to faith is a big stumbling block to the Jews. Okay? It's a big stumbling block to the Jews. We're going to see that more as we go later on. Now, look with me now, verses 22 to 24. Verse 22 to 24. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Okay, so let's go on here. The news of the ministry in Antioch reached the church in Jerusalem. So eventually, word gets back, hey! Now I think by the time that this is happening, the events of Acts chapter 10 have taken place. The events of Acts chapter 10 have taken place, but the word gets back. Gentiles are coming to faith in Antioch. There's a great movement there, all right? So the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas. Remember Barnabas, son of encouragement? Acts chapter 4, remember he he gave of, of his property and he was called the son of encouragement. He's also the fellow that went and vouched for Paul. Remember when the apostle Paul came to the Lord, nobody wanted to have anything to do with him? And he vouched for Paul, so the church sent Barnabas to Antioch. When in Antioch, Barnabas, he was pleased by what he saw and encouraged the church there. So, and, and when we say encourage, I'm going to be honest with you, Barnabas is a teacher. He encouraged them by the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He encouraged them and strengthened them by the word of God. So, He was a good man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. Good man, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had faith. Now because of his ministry at Antioch, many people became followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's just stop for a moment. You could read that and say, well, he must have been a pretty good evangelist. No, I don't necessarily think that he was just a pretty good evangelist. I think because he strengthened the church, the church did what it was supposed to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the church was strengthened, it did what it was supposed to do. And what was that? They were to share their faith. Okay, let's, let me make it a connection here, okay? I'm going to take a side note here. There's a good principle here that you need to grasp and understand, all right? There is a connection between your growing in your faith and your evangelism. There's a connection. If you're not growing in your faith, you're not going to do evangelism. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because you have nothing to share. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have nothing to share. So let's stop for a moment. We have right now, if if all you're relying on is Sunday school and church listening to George, you're not going to go very far. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not going to go very far. You've got to rely on a whole lot more than just George. And in fact, that's why we have opportunities like, I'm It's going to be flat out honest with you, you need to be a part of a Bible study. You need to be a part of a Resonate study. And the reason why you need to be a part of a Resonate study is because you are studying the Word yourself, you're getting together with a group of guys or a group of gals, and you're talking about what you studied, And it's supposed to promote growth in your life. And the more you grow in Jesus, the more effective you're going to be in your witness for Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? you got to be involved. Because there is a direct correlation between being encouraged and strengthened in the Lord and the effectiveness of a church. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be involved in a study. You've got to be involved so that it, it, it affects It helps our church. You say, ah, George, you're just taking that from one passage. No, I'm not. It's throughout the New Testament, throughout the letters, about being strengthened in your faith so that you can do the ministry. The greatest passage of Scripture, do you understand what I'm saying, is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that he he gave gifts to the church, preachers, teachers, apostles, and so forth, For what purpose? To build up the body so that they could do the ministry. My task isn't to be an evangelist. No pastor's task is to be an evangelist. Now, some pastors have that gift, wonderful. But the task of a pastor is to build you up so that you do the work of the ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that you share. Do you see the correlation? There's a correlation there. About your growth as a Christian and your effectiveness in reaching others for Jesus Christ and for the benefit of the church. So listen, don't, if you're, if you're kind of like where you've been for the last 20 years or 10 years or five years, that's not good. You need to be growing in your faith. All right. You need to be growing in your faith. Now let's look at verse 25 and 26 and we're going to see the apostle Paul is mentioned again. Okay, we're we're going to see that Paul is mentioned again. Or should I say Saul? Because at this point, he's going by his Jewish name, Saul. Look with me at verse 25. Then Barnabas departed to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people and the disciples were first called christians in antioch. all right so let's take a look here we're going to see this the issue of saul. because of the growth of the church, barnabas because of the growth of the church, barnabas went to tarsus to look for saul. so the church is growing, it's getting to be more than what what barnabas can handle, he needs help. he knows a guy that will help. He knows a guy that's fit to do the job, so he goes to Tarsus and looks for Saul. Do you understand what I'm saying? He goes to Tarsus and looks for Saul. After finding Saul, Barnabas brought him back to Antioch. Hey, Saul, been looking for you, buddy. I need you to come with me. We need you in Antioch. Okay? In Antioch. Oh, by the way, just a frame of reference, when you're looking at the Syrian civil war thing, okay, Antioch is still there today, except it goes by a different name. It goes by a different name. I think it's Antakya. Okay. Antakya is what it's called. It's still there today. A city that's several thousand years old, still there today. That's where the civil war is happening. Okay. So here we are, two thousand years before that, the church is there. It's growing. So Saul, After finding Saul, Barnabas brings him back to Antioch. Now, Barnabas and Saul met with the church for a year and discipled them. We're talking one year of being focused on one thing, teaching them. What do you think they taught them? Evangelism? Do you think they taught them how to use their spiritual gifts? What do you think they taught them? Anybody got a clue? It's pretty simple. Yeah, just basically the word of God, strengthen him in the faith, the basics of the word of God, all right? Now, I think this is interesting. Up to this point, the term Christian has not been used. So it was in Antioch that the followers of Jesus Christ were called Christians. It was up until this point in Antioch that the followers of Jesus Christ are first called Christians, okay? Goes all the way back to Antioch. Now, <clears throat> look with me at verse 27 through 30, okay? 27 through 30, we're going to see the prophecy. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all, all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Okay, so let's stop for a moment. We're going to have to kind of focus a little bit on some of this so you understand what's going on here. During this time, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, I, I want to stop for a moment because I need to explain to you what a prophet is. Okay? Sometimes, especially if you're from a Baptist circle, your concept of a prophet is it's simply just a preacher, somebody who proclaims the truth. That is not the biblical office of prophet here. The biblical office of prophet was somebody who had the gift to be able to discern what God wanted to say to that group of people. Sometimes it was about what was going to take place in the future. Sometimes it was to address an issue that only the Holy Spirit would know, but a prophet would speak in their midst and say, there's this issue going on. So this is a first century phenomenon that's taking place. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... About this time, the church is growing from the church in Jerusalem. Some of these prophets, some of those who exhibited the gift of prophecy. When you understand that, you understand now why Paul makes his point in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about prophecy being a better gift than tongues. Because who's going to benefit by a prophet in your midst? The whole church. You understand? The whole church. So these prophets come and... A prophet was someone who had the gift of prophecy. They come up from Jerusalem, okay? They come up from Jerusalem. Now, there was a guy, one of the prophets, whose name is Agabus. We're going to see Agabus a little bit later in the book of Acts, okay? Because he's going to make a prophecy concerning Paul, or Saul, as we see him here, and his arrest, okay? So we're going to see that in a, a little bit later on. So notice now the prophecy of Agabus. Agabus proclaimed that the Spirit proclaimed a coming great famine throughout the world. So the Holy Spirit was revealing that something is devastating is going to happen here soon. That there's going to be a great famine in the world. A great famine in the world. Why why do famines take place, folks? Anybody? Anybody know why famines take place? What? No, no, what causes a famine? Drought? War? Climate? A great famine would be like the one that occurred during the reign of Claudius Caesar. So this is something that's happened once before, all right? Something that's happened once before. Now, here's what I think is interesting. And this is a great lesson here. Look with me. Each of the believers decided to help the Jerusalem church according to their abilities. Okay. You're, you're meeting in the church in Antioch. And, and let's be honest, you're probably only a couple hundred miles away from Jerusalem. If you look at the map, you're not that far away. And there's going to be a great famine like in the days of Claudius Caesar. So everybody probably remembers a worldwide famine, a worldwide problem is going to happen. What's our natural inclination that you know there's going to be something devastating happening? Who who do you normally think about? Yeah, and, and are you going to be okay? Are you going to make it through? Now think about this. The church thinks about who? In Antioch. Who are they thinking about? The church in Jerusalem, the churches in Judea, how are they going to make it through? Now that's amazing, isn't it? Do you think that's, do you understand what I'm saying? They are thinking in terms of others when they're going to be facing just as bad a situation where they're at. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just as bad a situation where they're at, they're thinking about others. How can we help them? And notice now, it's not just the leadership got up and said, the pastor of the church of Antioch said, you know, I felt this morning as I was eating my Wheaties that we should help the people down in Jerusalem. No, that's not what the text is saying. The text is saying what? Each one of the believers felt this way. Isn't that interesting? Each one of the believers felt this way. Each one of the believers were moved to do this. See, I think, here, here's what I want you to say. The basis of who we are is congregationalism in our church. Yes, we select leaders. Yes, leaders guide us. But to be honest with you, the church as a whole is made up of individual members, right? And we're all important, and we all need to guide the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why we are a congregational church. That's why we're a congregational church. And so the Holy Spirit's moving them to help the church in Jerusalem. So what do they do? The church sent Barnabas and Saul to Jerusalem with a gift. They sent them down there with a gift. What kind of gift? Bags of rice? Probably not. What do you think? They, they probably gathered an offering. They probably gathered from among themselves a portion of money to be taken down to Jerusalem to help the church. And we already know from Acts chapter 6, do they have a system of distribution in Jerusalem to help those who are needy? Do they have a system in Jerusalem to help those who are needy in the church? Yeah, because remember that was the argument that was going on in Acts chapter 6 about These widows were being left out and so forth, and so they had people there to administrate. So so the Church of Jerusalem already has a network to help people. They're going to send Saul and Barnabas, I keep wanting to call them Paul, Saul and Barnabas down with a gift. Do you understand? So some powerful lessons here, aren't there? Okay? Powerful lessons. Now, the next time we look at Acts, we're going to look at Herod's persecution.